video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Mark, how's the store going? Uh, it's going well, you know. <laughs> uh, we're still doing curbside. I feel like this is the... However, met fifth episode in a row, I've been like, oh, we're s- still doing curbside pickups, you know? Hey, the numbers have been going down in Ontario, so. <laughs> in Toronto, though? They're not great, <laughs> they're not but they've like, been going down. Yeah, I still, we're still, like, super wary about opening, though, because I just, if you haven't been to the store, it's very small, and the aisles are very crowded and narrow, and it's not even on the street. It's, like, inside a little mall. So we can't even, like, open... You're going to put arrows that nobody follows as they enter yeah, the like store? Yeah, like Starbucks or something? <laughs> We're going to have to do that. Um, so we are probably going to be opening our doors in the next couple weeks, I think. But on a very strict, like, by appointment sort of thing, maybe. Uh, like, where you have to, oh, like... it's like a little boutique. A time. But it's all very, very, like, early stages right now, so... Um, We'll see. We're right now. We're still just doing curbside pickups, and it's going. It's going pretty well for us. I mean, we're still making enough to get by and uh, keep just doing our thing while we still wait to get some staff back and uh, basically get some more numbers. And as you wait to get some of these Blu-rays that everybody know, has been waiting I know. for. Well, we got some good stuff this week, though. We finally started to get some premium label stuff here. Yeah, because you got Arrow Video Solid Metal Nightmares, the films of Shinya Sukamoto. Oh man, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. I mean, I don't think any Sukamoto film have come out in on blu-ray in north america they've come out in the uk but stuff like bullet ballet and tetsuo were like trapped in that like tartan dvd label that has gone out of print a million years yeah, ago i think you're right they um i don't think any of his films have really hit blu-ray at all until now and yeah so many of them are even out of print now on dvd so it's like so hard to find them. I mean, Bullet Ballet, I even watched recently on a DVD, and it was an old uh, Arts Magic. Do you remember that? I remember. I have a whole bunch of Arts Magic discs. (laughs) Yeah, they're great. I forgot how amazing their DVD logo is, too, when it comes up at the start. It's like they got their little brother to do all the graphic design on that. (laughs) It's very late 90s. Um, But yeah, this set, I mean, Arrow's gone all out with this set. I mean, you don't get every single Tsukamoto film, but you get... I originally thought it was going to be all of Sukamoto cinema, but I think Gemini is not there. No, Gemini's not there because actually I think it's Mondo Macabro has that out Mm -hmm. in a limited edition, which uh, unfortunately we're not able to get at the store right now, but hopefully sometime in the future it's like an online only thing. They also don't have like the third Tetsuo movie. They only have the first two. Yeah, the Bullet Man, the English language one that has that one Trent Reznor uh, track. Uh, They don't have Nightmare Detective. I know that was on the old like Dimension Extreme. But the cool thing about this set of, of... I mean, aside from just all the Blu-ray restorations of, yeah, like Tetsuo and Bullet Ballet, A Snake of June. Hiroko the Goblin is missing, which was his uh, second feature film, which I recently right. watched and is great. I wonder who owns right. the rights to That's that. I think thing. Media Blasters has that. I don't know, because, yeah, I don't even think we have a DVD rental of that or anything. Um He's great, though. And also the big get with this set is that uh, one of his more recent-ish films, I guess from the 2007-8, Kotoko, is finally out in some kind of form. And Killing as well as on the desk, on the the set. So there's some cool things. I remember seeing Kotoko at TIFF way back when. and Uh, Were you blown away by how loud the noise was? It's so loud. (laughs) Yeah, I saw it at, I, I know, I remember seeing it at the old AMC theater at Young and Dundas for those of you who are who know Toronto 
and they had it on like the biggest screen there and it was just like absolutely one of the most abrasive movie experiences I've ever had in my life but I loved it and it was great and it never I kept waiting for it to get some sort of release afterwards and it, it never got released did. in the UK but I'm not sure why it never came to North America but now it's here on the set with all those movies that we mentioned comes with a booklet comes with a little poster uh, slim Blu-rays, whatever that bullshit is. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful looking set, though. I really want to pick this up myself. I've always liked Shinya Tsukamoto a lot. I feel like, you know, it's been hard. He's hard to categorize, you know. He's not quite like a genre, genre guy, even though a lot of his stuff traffics in genre. He's not totally art house either, because there's definitely that genre side as well. I don't know. He gets a lot of comparisons to like David Lynch, David Cronenberg, stuff like that. But I just like how do it your like on the fly DIY his films look and feel like they're all just like shot on the streets. A lot of them in black and white. And I think he came from like an experimental theater troupe. Yeah, he did. Uh, The hour long like first film that he made, uh, I think it's like The Adventures of Electric Rod Boy, uh, is included on this set, which is a lot of his experimental crew, uh, theater crew members worked on it. I think that the reason the films that are on this disc are the ones that he produced himself and he owns the distribution rights to, because uh, The Goblin One, Nightmare Detective, Gemini, those were all studio pictures, which is why Arrow is not including them on this box set. Which, you know, I guess it makes it kind of a cool bundle of just like, here is like the purest Shinya Tsukamoto. I think it comes with Vital and it comes with Snake and June as well. Yep, it has those two. Mm-hmm. And Haze, the one where just Shinya Tsukamoto trapped in a maze and it's all claustrophobic. Yeah. I think it starts with him. His like teeth are on like a metal pipe and he has to get them <laughs> off somehow. Yeah, I love how he acts in so many of these films too. And he's just... Just like he's just the star of them. He's got such a great screen presence too. This one also has Tokyo Fist on it, which is a great boxing movie if people haven't seen it. So, you know, I've already bought this. So if you're listening to this and you don't have it, you gotta get it. Yeah, and you know, we got a pretty good price for it. So, you know, you get a oh, lot you of do. Films too. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So come on down. <laughs> give us a well, don't come on down. We'll make you a deal. Yeah, give us a call and we'll put one aside for you. And you also received Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, being released by Arrow, the Cassandra Peterson classic. I was never an Elvira guy. Me neither. I've never actually seen this movie. Um I've always meant to. I think it's because we're a little bit older than most of her, uh, <laughs> younger, I mean, than most yeah. of her fan base. We're old men <laughs> It's been 84 <laughs> years. And uh, people that kind of grew up when she was more of a pop culture figure, she's kind of like a variation of Mystery Science Theater 3000 for a lot of people. And that they do have that affinity for her. I love that she was popular enough to have yeah. her, her own movie. <laughs> Which people really love, right? I mean, it's always been a big renter for us. It's always sold well on DVD. It did even come out on Blu-ray just later last year on kind of like a bare bones one from Image. So sorry to all the people who bought that and then <laughs> promptly arrow. Wait, Image it. is still around? Image is still around. That's crazy. I know. Well, they're kind <laughs> of like... A co- they're with this company called RLJE Films, and they kind of do a lot of those Shutter releases. Oh that we yeah, always talk yeah, about. yeah. So we also have The Wind being released by Arrow. There are a lot of Arrow things that are today and coming. Oh yeah, that you've received a, a lot of uh, this was stuff from April and May that is just all showing up on our steps right now. Because The Wind, which is about a mystery writer Meg Foster, everyone's favorite from They Live, goes to Greece where a handyman Wings Hauser has a role in her latest murder plot. This is directed by 
a filmmaker that I keep feeling like these Blu-ray labels want to make a cult figure. <laughs> I can't, what do you remember yeah, what his Nico name is? Masterac- it's like Nikos Masterakis. I yeah. don't know. And it's just like I'm not buying it, man. Like there's there's no movie that he's made that I've loved. Not even like Island of Death, his crazed version of Texas yeah, Chainsaw you know, I've Massacre. Got no uh, knowledge of him really. I know who he is, but even Island of Death, I've still never gotten around to. But like, you haven't seen the Zero Boys? No, but Arrow is really trying to make him happen. I think Arrow oh, yeah. has released the most of his stuff over the last little while. But Vinegar Syndrome has also put out a yeah. Few. They also got into it because they released Grandma's House, which is a film he yeah. produced but didn't direct. It's weird though. Yeah, like I didn't realize he had so many movies yeah this one i was looking at letterbox doesn't have that many fans but arrow as per usual they go all out and they add tons of special oh, man, features yeah. and those meg foster completists <laughs> you know uh the spice must flow yeah. people with those cold uh <laughs> blue eyes do you have people that buy every arrow release oh, yeah we've already sold copies of the wow. win so i mean there's people out there i think it just it's like the criterion thing they all look really nice on the shelf next to each other i mean i have them all lined up by label like in my uh, office now because it just looks nice which is something that i've never done before yeah and i can't and you gotta love a company that puts so much like we keep saying like so much effort into more obscure titles like i know criterion every once in a while will take a chance on a smaller title but usually it's like they need to know there's a market for it and you can feel them phoning it in when it's a title that they're like uh there's probably not that many people gonna buy it so we don't need to make that much effort while like you know, this these movies could suck. And Arrow's like, we're going all out. We're going to produce new yeah. special features. We're going to get a commentary track. Like, this will be a special edition, even if it's a movie that nobody likes. Oh, I know. I love it. Uh, 16 Candles is also being put out by Arrow. Eh, John Hughes. Yeah. Here's another guy. They're, they're really trying to get into the John Hughes thing lately, well, too. People I mean, love John Hughes. I mean, Arrow doesn't need to make John Hughes. Right? Yeah. I mean, we all know John Hughes. We've 16 Candles has been out twice before on Blu-ray. They already released, like, a 35th anniversary version from Universal. I will only buy it when it comes in a giant cake yeah. that you can, like, open up and the Blu-ray is inside of it. Uh, well, I'll try and make that happen for you. <laughs> For your 16th And then when birthday. it comes, I'm like, oh, man, $200. <laughs> well, I guess I asked for it. Isn't 16 Candles, like, his most problematic movie, though, too, at this I point? I mean, all of his movies are problematic, except for his masterpiece, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, <laughs> which you wouldn't change one frame of. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, I was never a John Hughes guy. Um, even Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the film stars a sociopath. Yeah, so I mean, I... It probably I, works in conservative <laughs> politics now. Yeah. I loved him when I was a kid, John Hughes, but uh, yeah, and I still, you know, I I still could go for a watch of Breakfast Club or Ferris Bueller's someday. Sixteen Candles, though, was never really one of my favorites of his. What about Cheese Having a Baby? I've never seen that one, actually. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Is it okay? All right. Yeah, it, it's like he's trying to, like, flex really surrealistic muscles that he kind of touches a little bit in something like Planes, Trains, and Automobile when, like, John Candy and Steve Martin, like, turn into skeletons right, and stuff like right, that, right, or right. the devil. But <laughs> it's something that he didn't do in his teen films, which are very yeah. dry in their presentation. I mean, I like his weird stuff. Yeah, like that, like, Weird Science, too, which, you know, Arrow put out before. I like more than something like 16 Candles. Um I don't know. It's got its fans. Uh, yeah. You know what else has its fans? Obviously, the 1975 documentary In Search of Dracula, <laughs> narrated by Christopher <laughs> Lee, uh, as he looks at the Vlad Tepes, the Balkan warlord, who was the historical basis of the Dracula myth. 
All right, moving on. I don't know what else I could say about that. All right, yeah. I don't know nothing about this. I mean, it was on DVD at one point years ago. I think it was Image, actually. That had it <laughs> Image released everything in oh, the like, God, li- like early 2000s. There's no yeah. movie they didn't touch. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of these Dracula documentaries from around that time. Oh, there's too. so many like, Dracula documentaries. Didn't uh, Severn put out yeah, a Dracula oh, documentary as well? Yeah, they did it under the Intervision line. It was like Trail of Dracula or something like that. Give me the loves of Dracula. That's where I'm interested. <laughs> that sounds actually probably like a gay porno of some sort, which I would also be in. Yeah, it's, it probably exists. Uh, Princess yeah. Caribou is being released by Shout Factory. Uh, Phoebe Cates, Kevin Klein. Uh, I guess Phoebe Cates pretends to be a kidnapped member of Pacific Island's royal family. I've never seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much about this. I remember we had a rental of this way back in the day that never rented, so we sold it off. I don't know. I think it was like one of those post-Princess Bride type of like fantasy mm. comedy thing. Princess Caribou sounds I don't, I don't very really um, culturally problematic. Yeah. <laughs> so we also had the H-Man Battle in Outer Space. Oh man, speaking of films that have been released a million times, these are being oh, put God, out by Mill Creek. They're two Ishiro Honda films. I have the old set. I don't remember who put it out, but it's like three sci-fi classics. And it's the H-Man, okay. Battle from Outer Space, and Mothra were on, like, two discs each. Yeah, that was the to- Icons of Toho or something. It was, uh, I think it was just, like, a universal set or something. Yeah, so if it. you missed out on that, I mean, these films always go out of print, and then they're super expensive, so they're back, baby! Yeah, well, Battle in Outer Space was out by itself as, like, a pricey Sony MOD, like, years oh, ago. Oh, man, Battle so... from Outer Space is so boring. Oh, uh, yeah, I've never seen it. Always been... <laughs> have you been curious, Mark? Have you touched that a Godzilla box set? I have, actually, I have. I've been curious, but I haven't touched that Godzilla box. <laughs> so you're never going to get to battle never in outer space. That. I saw Not in your guy. lifetime. Uh, White Crane Chronicles, a.k.a. Kung Fu Killer, a 2008, I guess I'm going to assume TV movie starring David yeah, Carradine. I think it was a two-part miniseries um, that, yeah, I don't know where they got White Crane Chronicles from because that's not like it's not listed by that anywhere other than the DVD co- or the Blu-ray cover for Mill Creek. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a Kill Bill reunion a bit with David Carradine and Daryl Hannah in there. Oh, it's so sad, man. <laughs> it's sad. It looks really yeah. sad to me. I took one look at it. And I'm like, nah, yeah, this is it about It was like David Carradine expect. is like waiting to get to that closet on the cover. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> I mean, it was a while ago. He went out the way he lived, man. Yeah, it was years ago. <laughs> on the edge. What a way to go, though, eh? So we also have A Deadly Place. Uh, actually, we have two... 10 film box sets for Mill Creek. <laughs> you know it's going to be good. So I, most of these are like public domain films. Some of them like, yeah. uh, I look and I'm like, does Mill Creek even own the rights to that? Because I remember on one of their sets, it was like a vampire set. They put, they put We're Going to Eat You, which is a oh, film yeah. that Media Blasters owns the rights to. So like Mill <laughs> Creek, they're so powerful. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah, they're they just going all over the place. They any sort of copyright laws, you know? So the one called A Deadly Place, I guess yeah. meant to look like A Quiet Place. Oh, man, shameless. the cover looks like... <laughs> the cover is definitely trying to trick people into thinking it's A Quiet Place. As the great Leslie Nielsen classic, Day of the Animals, where <laughs> Leslie Nielsen rips his shirt off and fights a bear. Yeah, which I think Scorpion has the rights to or put mm. out at one point. So, so there's probably a terrible transfer of that movie yeah i wouldn't expect much we also have some full moon classics like dead hate the living a very late period full moon film which is not good which was made by a bunch of zombie movie fans oh boy (laughs) and shrunken heads which is a really weird movie directed by richard elfman written by uh 
friend of the podcast, Matthew Bright, and is about, (laughs) it's supposed to be like a Bowery Boy style, kind of like a bunch of kids making trouble on this big back lot set, and then they're murdered, and they're brought back to life, just their heads, by like the local voodoo man, and then they're just like headless zombies who kill any wrongdoers on the street. And yeah, that's pretty much the movie. It's horrifying. It's a full moon production. It looks like a kid's film. It is not a kid's film. (laughs) Uh, The original heads were uh, designed by the guy who did all the uh, Pee Wee Herman sets. I don't remember what his name is. And they were so scary that two days into shooting, they're like, we can't use these heads. (laughs) We're just going to like superimpose the young kid actors onto the shrunken heads as they like fly through the miniature cities. Yeah. So we also have a Sweating Bullets 10 action packed <laughs> movie set. And I'm going to be honest with you, I do not recognize one of these titles. Well, this is this is hilarious because on the front cover alone they have like starring or featuring films from Mickey Rourke, Sandra Bullock, you know, Steve Buscemi, Malcolm McDowell. And then it goes to like Anthony Michael Hall as if he's like an action star. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so you got these big names on there. It's like, ooh, what do we got? And they're all like TV movies or like straight to VHS movies from like the early 90s that these people were maybe in like a couple scenes of. Uh, What you mean you don't have any um, love for Maximum Revenge, Rapid Assault? (laughs) Firepower, <laughs> Fugitive Rate. I just made up one of those titles. Can you guess which one? Even though I realized as I was saying it that that is actually a PM Entertainment movie. <laughs> Try to guess which one it is. Well, there you go, yeah. Shade, Fatal Combat, <laughs> Yesterday's Target, Across the Line. Like, what are these bullshit movies? I know. Yeah, you could literally take any, like, action, you know, action adjective, throw it in a blender, and then there you go. You got your titles. Although there is one kind of intriguing movie in here. Um, Shades is actually a Belgian film that Mickey Rourke has a supporting role in. It's, <laughs> I know, right? It's a uh, from the director of The Memory of a Killer and The Loft, which were some popular Belgian films. Oh, yes. The popular Belgian films. My yeah, home country. Sort of popular. Memory of a Killer was a film that people liked, I remember. I don't Never know. heard of it. And if I haven't heard of it, it probably means it's not good. <laughs> uh, I think it played Tiff and won some awards or something way back in the day. Basically, it's like a film within a film about like, uh, I don't know, some like weird meta film within a film from like an actual like acclaimed European director that I think they're just trying to market as like some action VOD movie. Action movie. Ooh, I like so, that. Trying to trick audiences. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've ever been interested in seeing Shades and don't care about the quality of the probably inferior quality. How much are these sets, Mark? Because we need to break well, down. I think they're about 20 bucks each. They're not too bad. So that's $2 a movie. That's less yeah. than renting all these How films. How can you go wrong? Yeah. How can you go wrong? <laughs> so we also have uh, new classic films. Oh, it's a tidal wave of Criterion. Yeah, we got some of our late Criterions in. So a lot of this stuff is from like late or like April at this point. But Leave her to heaven. Gene Tierney, uh, about an overpossessive wife who forbids every anyone from getting close to her husband, Richard. Never seen this one. How about you? Uh, I just watched this, actually. Uh, I'd always been intrigued. And Does it end with the husband shooting his wife and he's like, leave her to heaven? <laughs> I know, I wish. <laughs> it doesn't end quite as explosively as that. It actually kind of peters out at the end. I was a little disappointed with how it wraps up. It's a weird mix of like... Yeah, I would say it's more so a romance than it is a film noir, but they kind of say it's like half romance, half film noir. It's basically, yeah, a guy played by Cornell Wilde, who obviously would go on to direct movies like The Naked Prey and stuff like that. 
who uh yeah he's like a famous author he meets this woman on this rich lady on a train they fall in love and then he realize and they get married like right away as one does yeah exactly as she is like absolutely obsessed with him to the point where so did you watch this because you read the back and you're like ooh, this sounds like an erotic thriller i know right it does it does no i'd always been interested in seeing this one uh now that it's because it is like a really beautiful looking technicolor production too uh and it looks stunning on the new blu-ray transfer so if you're a fan of this film i would definitely say pick it up uh i would say it was a little underwhelming and and like it's got a great setup because the other thing is um gene tierney's character thinks that um cornell wilde's character looks exactly like her father and it's a weird and she keeps referencing it and everything it's this weird it's this weird thing that they keep going back to and it really sets it up well and then i think it just it kind of leaves Jean Tierney's character aside a little bit in the second half and just kind of paints her as this crazy lady when I feel like she was set up to be a little more interesting. And then it becomes kind of like Cornell Wilde is still just like the protagonist, even though he's not really that great of a guy either. So I don't know. Yeah, story-wise, I feel like it could have... Yeah, if it ended, it was like, leave her to heaven. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Exactly. That's what I wanted. But it does look stunning. If you're if you're a fan of this film, it's only been available on like shoddy looking DVD prints, so it, it's a real nice upgrade. We also have Destiny Rides again. I mean, we got two here that I know Mark will not be able to speak of because they're his two most hated genres. Uh, Destiny Rides again, a western with James Stewart. I think that's probably what it's most famous for. And Showboat, a big budget musical that is supposed to be, uh, you know. Very. Well, doesn't James uh, Whale do this one though? He's he's an interesting. It is James Whale. This was like a big project that he was really excited for, and you know it has a little bit of his style, but um, yeah, it's still like those film play problems where they can't really figure out how to pull it off in an interesting way. So, and I haven't seen Destry Rides again. No, me neither. It's been popular. I know a lot of people really love this film. Maybe they just love Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, I always never, I never liked Jimmy Stewart for some reason growing up. You're like, I hate his aw shucks routine. I know, I never liked his voice or his demeanor. Really? Like, this guy's annoying. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> Get me out of my face. It's all about me, Mark Hansen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know how I like to watch movies. Yeah, a black screen so it reflects you. <laughs> Staring into the void. So we also have The Cremator, uh, which is a Czech film that I would always know when I worked in a video store as the film that has Sam Raimi looking dude on the cover. It does, actually. I did not think about that. Uh, I really want to see this, though. This looks like I've seen... It was directed by, I'm going to mangle his name, but Yuraj. Yep, that sounds good to me. Yuraj Hurst? I don't know. Who I've seen some of his films before. I saw a really cool vampire car movie that he made. Oh, I do not one? like that Fair movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. really like that. I thought it was cool with like <laughs> biting them through like the car, the pedal and everything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this is one of his more serious kind of arty films. Some Probably his most well-known film, I guess. Uh, never really gotten a proper DVD release here. Kind of had a shoddier one years back. But uh, they've done a really bang-up job restoring it. So all you checkheads, you got to check this out. Yep. Check it check, out. Check it out. <laughs> we also have Jean-Pierre Melville's Army of Shadows being released at uh, Blu-ray. It feels like Army of Shadows comes out every six months. Is that just well, me? 
I will say this is the exact same release that Criterion put out about a decade ago. Mm. <laughs> so, so they just lost the rights to it. It went out of print pretty quickly. Okay. Um, and I thought Stu- I thought Kino would pick this up because they've been picking up a lot of those um, Melville films that Criterion used to have. But for some reason, Criterion got the rights back. But it's literally the exact same edition, same features, same transfer. So if you already have it, just stick with what you already have. Um, if you don't, though, this movie is fantastic. It's probably my favorite Melville film. Mm, yep. It uh, deals with a civil engineer, gets trapped in a torturous Nazi camp, but manages to escape with the help of a friend. Yeah, it's all about the French resistance during World War II. And uh, it is it is just like, I mean, his stuff is already at everything, but this is like a real thriller, like a Mission Impossible style like thriller from first second to last it's like gonna have you gripping your seat <laughs> put it on the poster I'm, I'm working on my poster quotes all right <laughs> so we also have the prince of tides is this your favorite barbara streisand absolutely <laughs> you know i've always kind of wanted to see this film though and never... it's all about yentl man i know i'm, I'm woefully you know um uninformed about Miss uh, Miss Streisand as a director. But how about as a person? I hear she's not very nice. Yeah, I think she's like really into or no, maybe I'm thinking about Bette Midler. I always get Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand confused. <laughs> I was like I think Bette Midler was really into Bloomberg when he was running for Oh yeah, but all those rich people are all into I know, Bloomberg. I know, you know who else was into Bloomberg? Like, Ted Dance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, Ted. Nobody can see Mark howling at the moon. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is a weird one for Criterion to put out. I mean, I know some people liked this, you know, back when it came out. But is anybody that big of a fan of The Prince of Tides? I, I'm not sure. We've sold like one copy of it. So I guess there's mm. somebody out there. And we bought a hundred. Please come buy No, it. I think I ordered the lowest amount of Criterions I've ever lowered, ordered for that specific title because we just didn't think anybody was going to get it. And not really anybody is. So we also have, uh, I hope people are ready to laugh because you're about to go to school for it. It's the Alistair Sims cl- four movie set. Wait, Scrooge himself? It was a comedy star back in the day, apparently. I guess he was. Mo- I guess he was well known as a comedy star, though. And it's just all of us, like plebe North Americans, just know him as Scrooge. Yeah, because this set includes School for Scoundrels, Laughter in Paradise, Hue and Cried, and Bell of Saint Trinians. All the hits. Bells of Saint Trinians, I know, is a a big old-timey british comedy that people talk about because they did remake it a few times people talk about don't you mean your parents because they they're are, british they mark are. <laughs> <laughs> so are they like oh finally <laughs> the alistair sims box set is out oh sorry i thought you were my father there <laughs> <laughs> bang on yeah. jeez <laughs> Yeah, put some bangers in there, Sean, and we're about to have ourselves a chuckle. My father's not even British at all. It's only my mom's side, but... Uh, oh, I thought that your whole family was British. Whatever, we can, uh, we can pretend, yeah. Well, it rubbed off your dad, because now uh, he's yeah, British, I don't know, people too. really uh, have been waiting for these films, I guess. We've had a lot of inquiries about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like Dawn of the Dead. They're all, like, yeah, up at the door. Alistair right? <laughs> uh, Sim. It's funny, though. Yeah, he just still looks like they've got film movements put his face just like on the front it's just well they know it sells and and he still just looks like even though he's smiling he just looks like scrooge so do you have a big poster you can put up it's like so like people walking (laughs) by will be like whoa scare people yeah i want to get a mask of it cut the eyes out and put it (laughs) on yeah the people are gonna try to buy you though because they love him so much (laughs) take me home yeah is School for Scoundrels, was that remade as the John Cryer, or John Cryer, John Heater 
Billy Bob Thornton's classic from the auteur himself, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips, right? I don't know. Questions here. Questions. That film has an insane cast of like up and coming comedians that like Todd Phillips cast from uh, the improv scene. Man, Napoleon Dynamite once had his own film career. What a world we used to live in. I was really excited to ski school for scoundrels back in the day too. Because you loved old school. Yeah, I did. You love Sling Blade. Of course. (laughs) And And I love Napoleon Dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah, I was trying to think of another movie that he's in um, he was in like a bunch of romantic comedies wasn't he yeah i don't know if i saw much else with him other than those two movies <laughs> yeah after school for scoundrels burned you you're like no yeah, more school for scoundrels was so atrociously bad i just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't you're like i expected wait what is the one with jason lee and tom green oh, um uh, stealing harvard that was a <laughs> stealing harvard um, that was directed by one of the kids in the hall was it not i feel like that was a yeah it was Bruce mccullough joint or something i only think of that one because i believe they have water guns yeah. on the cover or something <laughs> like that and school for scoundrels also involves water gun action <laughs> i love how this is where we pivot during the classic section of our podcast so we also have Série noir being put out by film movement a jim thompson adaptation about a paris mob flunky who falls for a girl who lures him into to robbery and murder. Yeah, this was uh, done by Alain Corneau in the 70s, who made uh, All the Mornings of the World later on, which was like a big art house hit. Um, he also more recently did um, Love Crime or Crime de l'Amour. Uh, which, oh, don't you mean Passion? Yes, directed which by got Brian remade as Passion. But I honestly prefer the original more. I, I don't know. I'm not, oh, Passion sucks, Yeah, man. Passion I was not a fan of, but... I like the original a lot. It does it in way... It's way less stylish, obviously. It's more kind of just, like, stark. And I think it works better that way, but... And now... Oh, man, it's our good friend Warner Archives who's coming to visit. Oh, <laughs> wow. no, Warner Archives and the whole family because there's so many <laughs> of know. them. So many varied titles here, too. So we got Blood on the Moon, a 1948 film directed by Robert House on Haunting Hill Wise. Yeah. It's a Western. Stranger rides into town to join an old friend who he assumes as a hired gun but he re- suddenly realized the unlawful nature of his buddy's business they become sworn enemies yeah sounds like fun that's robert mitchum again <laughs> uh, again yeah. oh man i hope you ordered like 50 of these then if it's old <laughs> oh, man oh, mitchum yeah. this has been a huge seller for us we had pre-orders for days on this i guess it's never actually been on dvd or blu-ray at all before now Do you know that the warner archives podcast where it's just like the people who work on these blu-rays talking about the films is like in the yeah. top five of like the itunes film charts really Wow. Yeah. How okay. do we get in on that yeah, action, We need man. to get up there. Hey, Warner Archive, have us on your podcast. We'll talk about your films. Yeah, we're like Warner Archives uh, podcast, except we talk about all the movies. All of them. <laughs> Let's just reach out to every single label and pretend we just talk about them and then hopefully get on all and of them. And we also have uh, The Mystery of the Wax Museum, a Michael Curtiz film, which was released on DVD, but I think that uh, Warner Archives went back to the elements to remaster this movie. Yeah. So it seems like it was only really ever included on the House of Wax DVD as like a bonus feature um, on both the DVD and Blu-ray for House of Wax. Um, And then it had some kind of like shoddy releases on DVD as well. But yeah, for this, both on DVD and Blu-ray, Warner Archive's gone back. You're right. Gone back to the original elements and done like a 4K restoration on this. And I think it's a two strip Technicolor film, too. So it probably looks gorgeous. Michael Curtiz, for people that don't know, the uh, Hollywood journeyman who 
directed Casablanca and The Adventures of Robin Hood. Very good director. And like 500 other films. We also have The Re- Reluctant Debutante, which is directed by Vincente Minnelli. I got one of the most angry letters I ever got from a massive uh, Vincent Minnelli fan when we did an episode of the Important Cinema Club on him. And we were like a little bit critical. Like we weren't really buying everything that he put out. But uh, he's got his fans and I've never heard of this movie before. Yeah, me neither. I don't have a lot of familiarity with him. I really like um, the Hollywood one he made, The Bad and the Beautiful. Oh, I love The Bad and the Beautiful. Have you ever seen its sequels, Two Weeks in Another Town, where like Kirk Douglas is hired to like dub an Italian movie? Oh, yeah. It's really good. Okay, I gotta watch that. But yeah, apart from that, I don't think I've really... He's just one of those names that I always see and don't really know much about. Uh, We also have Inside Daisy Clover. Uh, which is directed by Robert Mulligan. Who else uh, is better to make a movie about the young going-ons of an actor, This, in this case played by Natalie Wood, in the dreary, dehumanizing um, world of Hollywood? <laughs> yeah. Never seen this one. I hear it's uh, a little bit middling. But, you know, Natalie Wood, everybody loves it. It's hard to imagine this being like a really scathing takedown of Hollywood in the 60s. But, I mean... I don't know. People, it seems to have its fans. When it first came out on DVD about a year ago, we were we got a lot of interest in it. So I think it's another one of those films that struck a chord with a certain generation of people at that time. I just watched um, Paul Mazursky's, I can't say the title, Bob, Ted, Carol, and Alice. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And watching that movie, I'm like, these are the people that have made sure that our generation has no future <laughs> yeah. because of how selfish they acted. Yeah. <laughs> We also have uh, Sunday in New York. Oh, whoa. Finally, you got the new Woody Allen movie, Mark, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, I wonder if that'll ever come out, actually. Because I think that Amazon <laughs> owns a rainy day in New York, so I don't think they're ever going to put it out. Uh, well, they just got rid of it. So that's why Woody Allen sued them. They because threw he, it in the dumpster in the back. Yeah, they had like a, a distribution deal with him, and it was all set to go. And then obviously they cut that off, and so he sued them because of that. So I don't know. I think it's just up for grabs in North America. Like, it's been out in Europe, but that's about it. Yeah, it's come out. It's everywhere. If people want a DVD, they can get like a, hey, can you order me a region yeah, free know, right? Blu-ray of that film? Yeah, sure. right. No, thank yeah. you. Uh, I mean, Woody Allen, he's doing fine. He's on Alec Baldwin's podcast last week. <laughs> oh, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Another loudmouth that I don't appreciate. Uh, I mean, I think that um, Woody Allen has <laughs> other problems than just being a loudmouth. Yeah, but... <laughs> Alec Baldwin, though, geez, did any... I don't understand why anybody found Alec Baldwin funny. Like, even back on his 30 Rock days, like SNL. You didn't like him on 30 Rock? Everybody loves know. him on 30 I, Rock. I never watched... To be fair, I never watched a ton of 30 Rock. Whenever I did, I mm. just kind of found him annoying, to be honest. I, he's okay in, like, 80s and 90s movies, but past that, I just... I don't really care. So, yeah, you like slim Alec Baldwin. Like, once he started to, like, you know, buff out, you were like, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Like the getaway Alec Baldwin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the chase Alec Baldwin. I'm like, no, wait, no, that's, that's Charlie, uh, Sheen, Charlie Sheen. I like slim Charlie Sheen, too. <laughs> I mean, has Charlie Sheen ever he's been pre- not yeah, slim? Yeah, he's pretty slim now, though, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got his own issues. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, so, so I keep trying to get back to Sunday to New York. Uh, Rod Taylor, uh, everybody's favorite grizz, grizzled character actor, and Jane Fonda, together at last. Yeah, I don't know. A romantic comedy that I'm sure, again, people of a certain age really enjoy. But We also have Selena, a Jennifer Lopez vehicle from 1997 being put out by Warner Archives. Uh, yeah, Selena's 
fun. I mean, I like J-Lo. In... Have you seen it? Yeah, I, I actually saw it for the first time recently, and not because this was coming out or anything. I just, uh, my partner is a big fan of it, and we're, we're big J-Lo fans, and i just never seen it. And she is great in it, but the movie is pretty much just your standard, like, 90s biopic that glosses over a lot of the interesting stuff and just makes it really palatable. So, yeah, I mean, the movie's not very good, but... Um, J-Lo's really good in it, so, you know, she performs well, and, yeah, if you're a J-Lo fan, then I would say give it a try. <laughs> what what enthusiasm in your voice, yeah. <laughs> Throw me a lifeline, Justin, please. Uh, yeah. Well, it was directed by uh, Gregory Nava, who was kind of like a... Uh, he kind of, you know, he made uh, El Norte in the 80s, which was on Criterion. He was kind of like a big deal in Mexican cinema for a while, even though he is American-born, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, I guess he got this job and I don't know, he just, it just feels like he's really selling out to Hollywood a little bit with this one. Oh no, that's it for the Warner Archive films. Now we're into Kino land. Yeah. Only a few Kinos right now though. We still have like a whole ton of titles back ordered from them, but they shipped us a few this week. So we got Outcast of the Islands, a Carol Reed films, Peter Willems, a self-centered individual who's caught stealing at his workplace and is fired. His, chi- his childhood friends help him regain his reputation and get him a job, but he betrays his friend's trust. Man, these summaries are very funny. I know. <laughs> I think there's a lot of sort of like orientalism, shall we say, in this kind of movie, ooh. you know, that like 50s, like... <laughs> and that was a bad ooh. That wasn't yeah. a little like, no, 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 no. Yeah, that was a bad like, ooh. Which was obviously rampant in a lot of these movies at the time. Um, but, you know, Carol Reed is... People love Carol Reed. This has never Great been director. released before. Um, and yeah, we've been selling a ton of them, so it's got, definitely got a following. You think you're going to sell a ton of the Runner Stumbles, the Dick Van Dyke stands trial for killing a nun, directed by Stanley Kramer? P.U. thing. It's Stanley Kramer, which, you know, people like Stanley Kramer, but it's also... Nobody these... likes Stanley Kramer. He's like a bloated dinosaur that nobody likes. I know, I know. But his movies are still popular, for us at least. Like, you sell a lot of copies... Of, like, guess who's coming to dinner? Oh, yeah, all the time. Wow. Especially now, right? Because people are like, I don't want to be racist. Give me that copy of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. This will help my white fragility. I know, right? You know what we've gotten tons of calls about on this note, too, since over the last week or so? Gone with the Wind. No. Yeah, Gone with the Wind. Really? Everybody wants to buy Gone with the Wind on DVD and Blu-ray. Like it's on now. HBO Max. Do those people have HBO Max? I know. Well, that's the thing. I feel like they no, but they took it off HBO yeah, Max, but I, right? Did the pe- are the people calling? Did they have that service? I don't know, but I'm wondering if that's they just heard about it. Is the it. news just blowing it out of such proportion that they're like it's banned everywhere? Yeah, I think the news is just blowing it out of proportion to the point where like even people that don't even know what Gone with the Wind is, which is crazy to think but like we got a call the other day from a younger person it seemed who was like oh i'd like the uh, tv series gone with the wind please and i'm like tv series is there like is there a new version of this that i'm not aware of or something and no he just wanted the movie but he and he didn't even realize it was like not a tv series he just he's like oh yeah i guess the movie so i don't know for some reason it's causing a stir okay i want to know who that person is who's just like i i assume watching television and like gone with the wind pops up and they hear the word like removed and they go i should buy this and then they already have their cell phone in their hand and they're putting it to their ear and it's somehow dialing base video now because there's a lot of steps to get to the like talking to you are you someone who can make a lot of calls in your personal life easily mark because me personally i worked in like 
uh, telemarketing, I worked at like uh, just calling people for references, no problem. But if I have to call someone in my personal life, like even a business and like ask a question, I'm like sweating. I don't want to do it. Really? Don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's a, a weird kind of like, like the idea of ordering pizza for myself chills me to my bone, doing it over the phone, even though like. I would take people's medication for stage three terminal cancer and I would have to like call them up and talk to them. No problem. It's part of my job. I don't know them. But if it suddenly involves like me personally, I'm like, Oh no, what if I screw up? <laughs> uh, I remember being a kid, like calling my parents and I was so screw uh, scared of screwing up the number that it took me too long to dial the number. And it's like, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. No. so what I'm trying to get at is, you know, I'm proud of this guy who can just call a store and be like, can I have something I don't know about? So many of our customers are like that. They are just they're right, ready by the phone, ready to ask us whatever question they have. They must not use the internet then, right? Yeah, they don't know if they really use the internet. But... I mean, that's fine. I'd rather someone just ask questions than, uh, I guess, what is the opposite of not asking questions? Just buying it or getting angry. Yeah, right. <laughs> can you imagine that the, the, like, the young person was like, what? It's not a TV series. I know, right? It's Screw very you. easy. No, he seemed genuinely confused by it all. So, yeah. but I, I think your phone—I think your phone issue is a common is a common issue that people face, right? And I don't. Is this not pizza? Pizza? <laughs> I am very proud of my voicemail etiquette. I, I leave very nice voicemails. Oh, really? So I'll say that. Yeah. I used to—I used to do them very well, but I haven't had to leave one in years because I, I would have like a script. I'd have to go like, "Hi, this is Justin DeClue. I'm calling from right. blah blah blah," and. Do you get angrier if they have late fees where you're like, we know where you live. You better close all your blinds because we're going to come crashing through those windows. Yeah, I know, right? I'm really good with a threatening voicemail. No, I I keep it pretty even keeled, you know? Because that's scarier? That's scarier, yeah. That's the thing. You got to just play it cool. That's that's how you get your movies back. I've received calls from uh, Bay Street Video employees that are like, "Uh, your late fees are like hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) I don't know whose phone this is. (laughs) (laughs) So we also have um, Secret Ceremony, a Joseph Losey film. How many times are we going to talk about Joseph Losey? We are not familiar with his films. (laughs) This is a popular one. Mia Farrow, Elizabeth Taylor. Isn't Robert Mitchum in this one too? (laughs) Is he? Yes, he is. So, I mean, people who love that kind of stuff love this kind of stuff and they're going to pick it up. We also have Woman Time 7, a Shirley MacLaine, Peter Sellers joint. Yeah, it was kind of an anthology film, right? Uh, DeSica made this about mm-hmm. like a bunch of different stories, about a bunch of different women. Mm-hmm. It's called Woman Time 7. She gets multiplied. It's the uh, film that came out before Multiplicity. <laughs> it's a bunch of Shirley MacLaine's. There's a smart Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. There's like the dumb Shirley MacLaine. There's a jock Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> Fun time at the movies. Uh, we also have Funeral in Berlin. Wait, are these... You tell me if these are Paramount Special Editions, because I get excited for no, that. No, these are not. These are just regular Paramount Boring. Blu-rays. I know, I know. I'm sorry. We'll have more of those to talk about in the future. Uh, so this one is a Harry Palmer joint. If people don't know who Harry Palmer is, he was a James Bondian character played by Michael Caine, but the gimmick was that he was like the um, officious Bond. Like, he didn't really have adventures. It was more like John le Carré... But with a little bit of that, like, you know, Euro spy f- flavor to it. His first film was directed by Canada's own uh, Sidney J. Fury. And this one's directed by Guy Hamilton, who um, is most famous for directing a bunch of James Bond films. Yeah, he directed a bunch of Bond movies. <laughs> so. I believe the other Harry Palmer film was directed by... Ken Russell, actually. That one's probably crazy. Yeah, Billion Dollar bla- Brain. Uh, I've never seen any of these, but I've <laughs> Billion Dollar to... Blade, <laughs> where you're like, oh, blame. man, yeah. the magician? <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, I've seen the first one. They did like a James Bond thing at TIFF and they played it. So that was fun to watch. Not an action movie, but Sidney J. Fury uh, at that point shot all his movies with giant wide angles. So that's fun. Haven't seen the Guy Hamilton one, Funeral in Berlin, which is the one that's currently for sale at Base Street Video. So these are just bare bone Blu-rays then. These are just bare bone Blu-rays. It's weird, actually. I got a, a story about Funeral in Berlin because we got our first batch of them in like last week. But the reason I didn't talk, we didn't talk about it last week is because we opened them up. They were all DVDs in the pack instead of Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to pull a fast one on you. The thing is that, like, Blu-rays don't cost that much more than blank DVDs. Like, they don't. Like, I, I manufacture this stuff, and, like, people are always like, ah, oh, it's too expensive. Like, DV, blank DVDs are, like, maybe, like, a couple dimes less than blank Blu-rays. 25 gig ones. 50 gigs, that's a whole other can of worms. But, you know, these uh, Paramount, these bare bones ones aren't releasing like 50 gig Blu-ray. They're just 25. I know, I know. Yeah, there's not really much in the way of special features on these. They're just first time on Blu-ray. So that's, you know, gotten a lot of people's I'm surprised interest. that uh, Paramount didn't make Atlantic City a uh, special edition because it is like a pretty famous yeah, movie. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Both Funeral in Berlin and Atlantic City have done really well for them. Yeah, they're both classic films. I thought they'd put like, you know, they're doing this whole Paramount Presents line. So I don't know why they wouldn't do it on there. Uh, so Atlantic City, which is also being released this week as a Louis Mal film, which he uh, described as his version of Beauty and the Beast. The Beast, in this case, being Burt <laughs> Lancaster, and the Beauty being Susan Sarandon. Yeah, so this was actually a pretty big hit. Didn't it win a bunch of awards at the Oscars the year it came out? Yeah, well, this was a big Canadian film, sure, too, yeah, right? Sure, yeah, Canadian. Like, like, I'm putting that in air Canadian quotes. Canadian film that takes place in Atlantic City, yeah. Um, yeah, this won a ton of awards. I mean, I think this swept the genies that year, didn't it? What <laughs> bullshit. What nonsense. <laughs> the movie that's directed by a yeah. Frenchman that stars uh, Susan Sarandon and Burt Lancaster. Yeah. Named Atlantic City. <laughs> they might as well put USA at the end of it. Canada is so desperate to have, like, good movies that they can pretend to call their own. Canadian film Brooklyn there, directed by an Irish director. Yeah. We also have Angela's Ashes, uh, Alan Parker. I always confuse this one with Sophie's Choice. <laughs> yeah. That photo of the kid staring at you seemed to be everywhere when i was a, a child like at the video yeah, store well i mean this book was huge i remember like my parents reading this book like everybody's parents were reading angela's ashes when i was growing watching up. twin peaks reading angela's ashes yeah <laughs> angela's ashes and then i remember this movie was supposed to be like a big deal it was like the big year-end awards movie and then I remember it coming out and it kind of got middling reviews and like didn't win any awards and nobody really talks about it anymore. Uh, I never saw it. I always like Alan Parker's stuff, but I never really got around to this one. I like Alan Parker. Yeah. Do you like Evita? You know what? I haven't seen Evita. I haven't seen some of his 90s stuff. I guess I'm talking more of his like 70s, 80s stuff. Yeah. But... You're talking about like the wall fame. Yeah. Like the you fun know, ones. Like Midnight Express, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. With that great uh, score. Uh, Evita, he makes an interesting decision. It's like kind of like a montage musical, but he shoots it like very realistically with no dancing. Ugh, boring. Give me like stylized sets and stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, Evita, so there's only like two good songs, like most Andrew Lloyd Webber, except for Jesus Christ Superstar, which is a masterpiece. Love that, yeah. I'm dropping, I'm dropping all the like uh, truth bombs on here, the opinion bombs. Yeah, there you go, there you go. That's the one musical I can get behind, Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. <laughs> Every song is a banger in that. I once saw a uh, play version they put on in Toronto in like that uh, building where it's all like very little rooms for like audiences, and the guy who played Jesus was the guy who shot Drake on Degrassi. Oh no, Greg? 
Yeah. I don't remember what the actress' name is. But it basically said that on in the program guide. Were you a Degrassi head? Did you watch Degrassi? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially Next Generation because I was, you know, kind of... I was growing up with that one, so I was kind of like that age. Um, and yeah, you're like it's like me reflecting exactly. on TV. I really <laughs> loved those shows growing up, like Degrassi, where it was like mid, you know, pre preteen or teenagers getting into like adult situations with drugs and sex and stuff. And you know, Degrassi really, you know, scratches that itch. And especially when it got wild with yeah, the whole shoot at school shooting episode and everything. That show just got really wild. It was almost like if you're on Degrassi, you're either going to end up dead or <laughs> pregnant or addicted to drugs or something like that. When are we going to get uh, box sets of all those crummy YTV shows that were like CanCon content? Know. Like, I want my radioactive box set. Did you ever watch that TV show? I did. Of course. Of course. That was shot on like one set. And it always played at like 9 p.m. at night. Oh, I know. Yeah. I wish that they would release some of this stuff because I feel like there might be a market for it. I, I don't know. Like I remember one show. I was obsessed with this CBC kids show called The Odyssey when I was a kid. Did you ever watch oh, that? Oh, yeah. People have talked about that a lot. Oh, yeah, that I was, love The Odyssey. I think there's some big rights issues for The Odyssey because I remember hearing somebody talk about it. I wanted to try and get a set. So I actually contacted CBC about it one time like years ago just to see if there was like any way to get this. And somebody actually got back to me and this lady was like, yeah, we can definitely put together a DVD set for you. Uh, it'll be $100. And I was like, $100? Only $100? Because I... I I asked for a Canadian film, a Canadian TV movie directed by Paul Donovan, the guy who did Siege. One of his early films was a, a it's like the, it was about a bunch of terrorists that like blew right. up some of the Canadian yeah, yeah. terrorists. And he made like a, a CBC movie. And I actually emailed him. I got his email and said, hey, do you have a copy of this? He's like, I don't. And CBC's like, it would cost you like $200 for us to check our archives. And I was like, come on, man. I thought 100 was really steep since it's only like, two or three seasons that aren't very long but i guess that was a bargain yeah. wait aren't, don't we pay them through our taxes shouldn't they be able to just do this yeah, for that's us what i thought i was like can't you give this to me for like 30 dollars? you know 50 max so uh and you still haven't watched the odyssey I, I never pulled the trigger on it i mean i i watched it a ton when i was a kid three but, seasons yeah. 35 dollars a season yeah. that's probably how much you would pay for it if it came out <laughs> i guess so i guess i'm just so used to dv like tv series being way cheaper now that i just couldn't i couldn't fork and also i was like pretty broke at the time so i was like uh, i can't really afford that well so we also have breach being released now this and the next movie are like these used to haunt the dvd bargain bins <laughs> i know <laughs> and you're like what is this it's just like a generic you know, this one's directed by Billy Ray. It's about a newbie FBI agent who is assigned to work with an old timer suspected of leaking vital information of the... You know what? I really like this movie. I'm going to jump in here. I like Breach. Yeah. I mean, I really liked Billy Ray. Wait, did he do Shattered Glass? I love Shattered Glass. I knew he did. I recognize <laughs> I that name. Which I, Hayden Christensen is a lying I reporter. I, I, I mean, Hayden Christensen is obviously a terrible actor, but in this one role, I think he is perfect. He is so good at playing a weasel. And I, thought, I just found the story so fascinating. And I think that was Billy Ray's... Uh, he was always a screenwriter before, but he... I think that was his directorial debut, Shattered Glass. So Breach was his follow-up to that. And it's not as good as Shattered Glass, but honestly, I still really like it. This is a real, like, 
I know Mark Silas as a teenager, yeah, and it made a big impact on him. What, you're going to go to the mat for, like, the Matador next? <laughs> no, no, I never went. <laughs> All those Greg Kinnear indies? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but no, you know what? I'm going to say, go on a limb and say, give Breach a try if you have If you like good CIA spy thrillers, give it a try. Uh, this is a universal catalog title, so I assume it's, like, $40? Yeah, it's a little pricey. It's, like, it's just over 30 but, you know. Oh, for Breach? <laughs> I actually had a copy of Breach on HD DVD when that first came. Yeah, I remember seeing Breach on HD DVD. Well, because they were flippers. They had, like, DVD on one side and on HD DVD oh, on the other side. So I, I just bought it. I bought it for that. And then, obviously, HD DVD went away real fast. Uh, but it never actually made the jump to Blu-ray. So this is the first time Breach has been on Blu-ray, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, also, I assume new to Blu-ray is Empire from 2002. And this is this week's Blind Boy! Blind Boy! Mark picked this one. I did, I did. How could you tell? <laughs> yeah, so this is a film I was always kind of intrigued by. Uh, I'm a big John Leguizamo fan, and, you know, this was kind of like an action-y drug lord crime movie from the early 2000s with him and you're also like finally i can complete my denise richards filmography who was also in, and peter sasgard speaking of shattered glass <laughs> well you know denise richards is actually a big part of uh this season of real housewives of beverly hills if you don't know so oh because she has a personal connection to i you. do love denise richards a lot i love her in like wild things starship trooper even as a bond girl i thought she was fun i know she got a lot of flack for that but i don't know i've always been a fan of her um, I think this movie does her a disservice, though, a lot. She just kind of plays a... I don't know, they, they call her, like, a whore, like, multiple times throughout it. It's just, yeah, and she's just treated as, like, a sex tool. Basically, yeah, she is treated like a sex tool. She played... I mean, well, let's, we should talk about what this movie is actually about, I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to jump in and be like, this is my Denise Richards uh, connection. I know, well, Denise Richards is like... Oh, yeah, my Denise... My actual Denise Richards connection is the fact that... She is now. If you're, if you watch Real Housewives, you know that she is married to a man named Aaron Fipers on this show, uh, who is kind of a, you know, an intre- He's a interesting guy, an enigmatic guy. I want to say. I don't really know much about where he came. He's not an actor really that you would know of or anything. But I directed him in a short film about a decade ago. <laughs> My thesis film at York University was starring this guy. Who somehow went on to Hollywood. So and... were you watching Real Housewives and you're like, wait a minute, is that? Yeah, she was introduced last season with her husband, Aaron Fipers. And I'm like, no way. There's no, there's definitely not another person out there with the name Aaron Fipers. That... And lo and behold, it was him. And not only that, before Denise Richards, he was married to Nicolette Sheridan for a few years. So like, I do not know who that is. Uh, she was like an actress in the 80s, 90s. So yeah, that's my Denise Richards connection for all who all who care. But um, and did he call you up and he's like, "You taught me everything, uh, every move I know, Mark." I hope so. Well, I've been fran- I've been stalking him and sending him messages all over social media, and he won't respond. So have you? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, like what if he called you up and he's like, "Hey, Mark, uh, if you're in LA, come and hang out down me and Denise Richards." <laughs> then I would be on the first plane to LA. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, who did Denise Richards hang out with? Do you think she still hangs out with Casper Van Dien and uh, Neil Patrick Harris? <laughs> well, actually, they had, uh, because they got married, uh, her and Aaron Fipers got married on the last season, and they had like a we- like a shotgun wedding kind of thing, and Patrick Muldoon was there. Remember him? <laughs> nope. <laughs> and wait, so Casper Van Dien, they're not best friends? Oh, uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't see him there. Isn't he like a crazy, like, Republican Christian oh, guy Oh, no, now? is he too? Yeah, I don't think he's a good guy, Ugh. Casper Van Dien. Boo. 
Yeah. So uh, Anyways, anyway, what were we talking Empire. about again? Empire, right? <laughs> Denise yeah. Richards really isn't that big a part of Empire. Empire is really a showcase for John Leguizamo. Who I mean, I love John Leguizamo. Me too. He's the best. Yeah. I wish he got like a better better movies to work with. I mean, we had the classic, The Pest, of course. Which I assume. Wait, has that been on Blu-ray recently? That seems like a perfect Shout Factory blu-ray but you know it's gonna come out as a mill creek release i know i know it's gonna be like high school high or something they're gonna put, they're gonna put it on a double bill with something else so yeah so empire's him he's a uh drug dealer and he meets peter sasgard who says hey give me your money i'll invest it and i mean like this movie the, the plot is like a sentence like once it starts happening you're like i know how this is gonna go and then it does and and so hilariously anticlimactically i know <laughs> There must have been, like, production issues, I assume. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. I was looking at it. was directed... It was the first film from a guy named Frank Reyes, who apparently was a dancer-choreographer before. Apparently, he choreographed the club scenes in Carlito's Way or something, and that's how he got Is Carlito's Way famous for its giant musical numbers? I don't... Well, you remember Al Pacino in the clubs and everything? You don't remember that? No. I'm only a Carlito's Way 2 kind of guy. Yeah, okay, okay. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, you, Empire would should appeal to you that i would think <laughs> no it's it's so i don't know so bland it, there's and what's frustrating is like it starts and i was like oh is this gonna be like city of god because yeah. it starts like super crazy with like cutaways the camera's zooming all over the place and then it just settles down and not really much happens except for a very funny gunfight where I think the actor's name is Fat Joe, It is, right? yeah. Fat Joe is in it. Uh, there's a few rappers in it. Treach is in it as well. Well, he's sitting on a couch, and there's a gunfight, and he presses a button, and, like, there's a spring-loaded shotgun flies up from the back <laughs> and lands in his hands. I mean, it does have a few entertaining action scenes, and I will say the climax as anticlimactic as it is, is kind of funny. I mean... It has a really funny shot of Denise Richards being shot exactly. in the head. Exactly. And even Peter Sarsgaard, yeah. I mean, I guess we should say spoiler alert here if anybody is planning on watching this. it I mean, I thought the funniest part about it is like, yeah, Peter Sarsgaard's this Wall Street guy who's going to invest uh, John Leguizamo's money and make them both rich. And then at a certain point, spoiler alert, he disappears and takes all of John Leguizamo's money and just like... Who could have seen it coming? I know, right? But then you're thinking like, oh, this is interesting. Like, oh, what's he going to do? He has nothing now. Now he owes money to like his crime boss and everything. Uh, played by Isab Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, who is actually pretty funny. I, she's having a good time. She's chewing the scenery. <laughs> uh, but then it's like right away, he just finds out where Peter Sarsgaard and Denise Richards are. Just some apartment. And finds them like within, <laughs> he just is quickly there and kills them. And that's that. And then. And that's it. That's the movie. And that's kind of it. And then there's, yeah, one more sort of anticlimactic moment after. After that, but. I was hoping it was going to be like, oh, yeah, you pissed off the drug dealers. Now they're going to take down the like Wall Street bankers, which I would have loved. Like like Peter Sasgard is like with a bunch of people in like a boardroom, like a bunch of white people, like old. They're like hitting wine uh, glasses together and they're like, Aha, I can't believe we got <laughs> over those rubes. And then John Leguizamo like kicks the door open with two guns in each hand and just starts blowing them away. If the movie ended like that, I'd be like four that stars. That would have been way better. I wish it had more of that vibe, but it's like clearly this guy just wanted to make like Scarface and I guess Carlito's Way and just like a bunch of other movies like this. I mean, clearly it is trying to be give some more Puerto Rican representation, which I think is kind of nice at first. But the problem is they just don't really. It's just such a generic crime movie that 
it doesn't really do anything different or distinguish itself. There's also way too much narration in this movie, too. As much as I like John Leguizamo, he will not stop talking in the narration. <laughs> Let me tell you how I got here. <laughs> how many times does he talk about, like, wanting money and, like, getting money in the first, like, 15 minutes alone? It's made clear that he's a millionaire. He is. Like, he has millions of dollars. But the movie starts with him looking in a window of some, like, really rinky-dink electronic store and being like, ah, I'd like this stuff. Yeah, I'd like more. But he already, yeah, has so much money. You'd think he'd be smarter, too, with the whole Wall Street thing. Like, it seems like once he hooks up with Peter Sarsgaard, he becomes such a patsy so fast. But you're thinking, like, I thought this guy was supposed to be street smart and, like... I don't know. I just, it was hard to buy. Especially when it ends with such a whimper. It does. So And like a weird moral lesson where it's like, you can't outrun your crime. It's like, huh? But you kind of know that, like, obviously, if you've seen any crime movie ever, you know this is not going to end well, so. I mean, instead of watching Empire, you guys should rent Belly, which is a oh, crazy, yeah. I guess, Scarface riff. But yeah, Belly is great. Love that. Um... And especially in terms of having like a cool music video style and just, mm -hmm. yeah, like it does, like that also has a pretty generic crime plot, but it does it in such like a stylish, visceral kind of way. Yeah. And Empire just clearly, I mean, it doesn't look amateurish. It just looks generic. So yeah. I don't know. Even the cover looks generic. You're like, wait, have I seen this movie? It's just John Leguizamo standing there. So uh, moving on to the new stuff. Well, first no, of no, all, no. would we blind buy this? No. I think, I think the answer is no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Unfortunately, oh, should have not. like a, a soundboard, which is like, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, no. Or... Honestly, I mean, I, I was try. I wanted to try and talk to you about getting a blind buy soundboard. We got to get a blind buy thing going, like blind buy when it comes up. And uh, then... You know, but it, it gives a little bit of freshness every time that we have to do it. Uh, yeah, or if we do the mouth sound effects, like we open a trap door or something like that, or it's like, yeah, some sound effect, <laughs> light it we... on fire. <laughs> we need more sound effects on this podcast, clearly. Mark is saying that if we uh, say that you shouldn't blind buy a new Bay Street video release, he will destroy every copy of the store. <laughs> well, you, you can bet Empire is going to end up in the bargain bins at some point soon. You shouldn't have bought 10 copies. I know. I don't think we can send those back either. So, Whoops. Yeah, you miscalculated the John Leguizamo uh, Empire fan base because everyone knows John Leguizamo has 100 See, points. I was all planning on, you know, getting it in. We would watch it for the blind buy and we'd love it so so much that we'd rave about it and everybody would be coming to buy a copy of, Bla <laughs> of Empire on Blu-ray. No one can see Mark on the webcam is like trying to signal me like, no, 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 we <laughs> talked about this. You got to be positive. Yeah. If in two weeks from now I'm not on this podcast, it's because I've lost my job because I. I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is your your own empire, but instead of investing with a Wall Street banker, you invested in Empire Blu rays. Yeah, I am the John Leguizamo here. <laughs> and Universal. I Mark was so smart, but man, he made a. Yeah. Those thousands of Empire Blu rays he invested in. So, uh, <clears throat> again. No, 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 no. Yeah, we should blaze through these, eh? I guess. Uh... We've been talking a lot about uh, classic stuff here. So we have uh, The Hunt, which is the um, film that was delayed by Universal. It's a new most dangerous game, but for our generation. Super fun. Should have been a DTV movie. The fact that it was released theatrically, I think, um, turned people against it. Because I saw like a lot of negative reviews. Uh, and I don't know. Super fun. Okay. Yeah, I'd heard mixed things about it. I haven't seen it myself. Super violent, too. People being blown in half. And okay. Did you think it was too, like... Both sides? 
I don't. Did you think the satire was too on the nose? I don't know. I heard a lot of people say the satire is too on the nose. I don't know, man. Weird. The satire on the nose that doesn't bother me. Like as long as it has a bunch of other fun stuff. I see that complaint all the time. Yeah. It's like, I'm sorry. Did you want subtle satire that would make <laughs> you feel smart because you got it? Yeah. Because that's what it is, right? Like that's what people want. Right. They don't want it to be told to them. They want to be like, oh, I figured out what it really means. Not like all of these rubes out here. <laughs> I mean, I like the director of this a lot, uh, Craig Zobel. I liked his uh, like compliance. I thought it was really good. Um, and he made a cool indie film called Great Wall of Sound. Uh, Zed is for Z- uh, Zachariah. You're a fan of that uh, one too? No, actually, I forgot about it. I didn't like that one. <laughs> but everything before that I liked. I mean, this is a deep cut for people who know this film. But it feels like it's directed by Isaac, Isaac Florentine, who did the Undisputed films. Okay. It even has like big martial arts sequences in it too. Oh, cool. So cool. yeah, would recommend it. Uh, one Cut of the Dead. Uh, this movie's great. If people haven't seen it, uh, we won't talk about it that much uh, because it would be spoiling talking about what it's actually about. Yeah, comes in a nice steel book though. Yeah, Shudder. There's even some special features, which is rare from them. Uh, Creep Show Season 1. This is the reboot of Creep Show that Greg Nicotero did for Shudder again. Uh, you know what? I'm not a big fan of this, but I appreciate the effort and I will be buying it on Blu-ray like a sucker. Because All right. um, and it also it comes with a glow in the dark cover as well, I believe. It what? comes with a weird Finally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that other one we were talking about. Shutters. Oh no, is everything gonna have uh, glow in the dark covers now? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, Doctor Who series twelve. Me and Mark know nothing about Doctor Who. No. I hear this one's good. Woman Doctor, first time ever. Fun. Yeah, it's the second season, right? With uh, with her, I think. I think she was in eleven as well. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. We also have uh, Debt Collectors, the sequel to The Debt Collector, Jesse V. Johnson, Scott Atkins joint, where the characters die at the end, which is really funny in the sequel because they keep talking about it. It's like, I can't believe we survived that. (laughs) Uh, Really fun. It's a road movie. Just enough action to be satisfying. Not as good as the first one, but if you need that action fix, super charming. Uh, Me and my friends watched it through computers, not face-to-face because of the pandemic and everything going on. And we compared it that, oh, this is like a good Hobbs and Shaw, where, like, the bickering isn't annoying like it is in Hobbs and Shaw. And that, like, these people are, like, frenemies, but you still like watching them, as opposed to Hobbs and Shaw, where it's like, oh, neither Jason Statham or The Rock can be lesser than the other. So, like, the comments feel, like, computer-generated and, like... So, I need to get into Scott Adkins. I, I haven't seen enough Scott Adkins. Where where would you say start to start? So, I would start with a double bill of Undisputed 2, which stars Michael J. White and Scott Adkins. You don't need to see the original Undisputed, which was directed by Walter Hill. Technically, it's the same character. I mean, Michael J. White is supposed to be playing Ving Rhames from the first <laughs> okay. one. Doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, and... What's funny about Undisputed 2 is Skykins is the villain in that one, but then he's the same character and he's the hero in part three. Uh, okay. So it's like continuing the story. So those are the two that I would start. The golden rule is Scott Atkins is great if he can do a British accent or a Russian accent. If he has to do an American accent, woo, stay away. Not good. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, Avengement is really good. I know you guys have that in the oh, store. I heard, yeah, I heard yeah. good things about that. So if you want a really fun one, it's like a time-shifting uh, revenge film where like Scott Atkins gets out of jail and goes to his brother's pub and holds everybody up and you see how he got to that point but does like really nice storytelling tricks where you think you saw what happened but there's like a detail oh, okay, missing okay. that sounds and, cool and not an annoying snatch way yeah 
and tons of action. All right, we also got Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, directed by Eliza Hittman. Yeah, I didn't see this one either. I really want to, though. It's obviously a really well-acclaimed abortion drama that was a big hit at Sundance. Um, she's been getting a lot of acclaim. She made uh, It Felt Like Love, I think, and Beach Rats, which was a big hit. Um, and yeah, this is kind of like... Yeah, just kind of the definitive, like, modern abortion movie that I think you should see. I really like Problem Child. Have you ever seen that one? <laughs> no, no, sorry, not Problem Child. I what? Like, <laughs> sorry, I was like, is that a joke? <laughs> like, that yeah, is, it should have been an the, abortion. That is the definitive abortion movie. No, wait, Problem Child was written by Larry Karaziski and Scott Alexander, it was, wasn't right? it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was thinking of, what is the Jenny Slate one? Oh, where it's about her getting an abortion. Child. Obvious Child. Yeah. That was close. <laughs> obvious Child is really good, too. Yeah, yeah it's really I quite, good. quite like that movie. Um, okay, yeah, so let's zoom through these. Driveways, directed by Andrew Ann, is uh, Brian Dennehy's swan song, and I hear he's very good yeah, in it. Yeah, I've heard good things about this. Uh, Andrew Ann made a film called Spa Night a couple years ago, which won a bunch of Independent Spirit Awards, and was really, really good. It was just about a character, an Asian-American character, coming to terms with his homosexuality and everything in, like, a conservative family. Uh, so so this is his follow-up to that. It's also got Hong Chow in it, who was obviously uh, really well acclaimed after Downsizing and some other films that she did. Was she so, really well acclaimed after Downsizing? She was. She was like the only thing that people talked about in that movie. I think she got a Golden Globe nomination, didn't she? Did she? I remember just people complaining about her accent, which she's like, I based it on my parents. That's what they sound yeah, like. Yeah, I didn't actually see Downsizing because I thought it looked kind of <laughs> dumb, but um, I heard nothing but rage about her You don't believe in fantasy it. concepts. Uh, moving on. Oh, man, it's a sequel to Tremors. Oh, Oh, no, wait, <laughs> Ten Bloors, which is a film about an evangelical father comes out and it destroys his family. Sounds heavy. Yeah, this is a Guatemalan film. Uh, I haven't seen this one, but I've seen the director's previous film. It was called uh, Ixcanel. Um, I might be... Um mispronouncing that but it was about a young, you? a young girl who uh gets pregnant and she's like she works on a farm and everything it's really beautiful filmmaking so i've been looking forward to his follow-up he actually made this and another film called uh la llorona not to be confused with the curse of la llorona just to... <laughs> right that one played at tiff didn't it, it did yeah i think both of these played at tiff actually the same year so he cranked out two in one year so uh, but based on the strength of Kennel, if you haven't seen that i would say definitely check it out he's definitely a uh, a bright new voice in Guatemalan cinema, and I, I don't really know anybody else. I don't really know any other Guatemalan films, so. Mm -hmm. so. We also have The Headhunter, directed by Jordan Downey. What is this movie doing in here? This is a arty horror film from the director of Thanksgiving, the evil turkey movie. Uh, I've seen this one. It's actually a lot of fun. It's kind of like a very uh, slow-paced, one-actor movie and like the gimmick is it's a medieval warrior who lives alone in his um, hut in the middle of the woods. And every now and then a horn will go off and we'll have to go kill a monster. And then he comes back and he puts his head on the pike. And the gimmick is you never see the monsters like he goes off and then he comes back all like injured and terror and like hurt. And he puts the, the head on the pike. So like if you're expecting like very specific genre thrills, you're not going to get them. And it's so it's like a very, like I said, arty horror kind of thing. The ending doesn't really work for me, but everything leading up to there does. And hearing the story of how this movie was made, which was essentially like three guys went to like a European country where like someone's aunt owned a cabin in the middle of nowhere and just those three guys shot it by themselves. So it was like the actor, a producer and the director. And that was like pretty much it on the set. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a shame because the way it's been marketed, like it's come out on DVD just makes it look like any other generic horror movie 
movies. So, yeah, I didn't realize it had kind of an artier quality to oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's good. So we also have We Summon the Darkness, which is another horror film. Uh, yep. <laughs> what do you got? Have you all seen this one, Mark? Yeah, this one's... I don't know. Uh, I have it. No, it's from the director uh, from Mark Myers, who made My Friend Dahmer, which I know a lot of people liked. So wait, doesn't this one also uh, co-star, um, you know, Spice Eyes as well? Uh, what's her name? <laughs> She's in a Dwayne Johnson movie with uh, the earthquake. She was in True Detective. Oh, Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I call her Spice Eyes because, uh, you know, she has those blue eyes like Mike Foster right, does. Yeah. Um, Johnny Knoxville is also in this movie, too. So <laughs> He plays the darkness. Yeah. I know, right? Literally. I like Johnny Knoxville as an actor. I wish he had, like, a dramatic role in him that wasn't like Daltrey Calhoun, if you remember that movie. I was a big Jackass fan back in the day. I won't Were lie. you? I was. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you and your friends get in, like, uh, shopping carts and push each other no, around? No. I, I never tried to do any of the stunts myself. I, I you know, abided by the warnings at the beginning. Uh, but I, th- I thought Jackass was, like, the funniest thing ever when I was a teenager. It's so funny. Like, it still holds so up to funny. this day. We also have why don't you just die a Russian uh, black comedy being released by arrow getting into new movies yeah, every once in a while they put out a new movie like we talked about that Shane Carruth movie they did last year or whatever I've heard a lot of good things about this yeah it's kind of a black comedy it all takes place I think in one apartment and it's all these kind of like vile characters kind of like who might have reasons to get revenge on each other. Um, I heard it was a pretty big hit on the festival circuit, though. We also have Take Your Medicine Corner with the Windmere Children, <laughs> a PBS documentary. Uh, it's actually a docudrama or like a biopic. It comes with a documentary, though, as a bonus feature, which I guess is about it. Uh, but yeah, the Windermere Children were yeah a group of children who... Um, we survived, I guess, the concentration camps and were raised in uh, England. And, you know, it's typical kind of PBS British TV fodder. But... So we also have Lost in America, which I don't think I could get a more generic uh, byline. Than <laughs> Chronicles homelessness in the United States from the point of view of homeless people, politicians and charitable organizations. Yeah, I haven't seen this. I mean, it's it's one of those documentaries that has so many famous names mm. on the front that I guess all contribute talking heads because like magnolia is putting this out so it's yeah like... magnolia is putting it out and it's actually it was made by i think the person who made it is actually was homeless was a homeless youth and so mm. they're kind of it comes from a very personal place um but yeah it didn't really get a ton of festival play or anything i'm not sure where magnolia got this film i guess the the or where like i don't know how the talent got attached to this movie but i guess because of that that drew magnolia so in. wait who are the big names like johnny knoxville sean william scott yeah, I know, right? ashton kutcher i know who's in it um i think rosario dawson's involved i see rosario dawson is like the main person <laughs> in it i guess she's not doing but halle berry's involved somehow tiffany haddish um, John Bo- Tiffany John Haddish. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish. One of the few times I could correct Mark. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, Haddish, not Haddish. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Finally, we come to our final film. Finally, final film. It is Xavier Dolaz, <laughs> Matias, and Maxine. <laughs> The crown jewel of the list this week. Um, did you watch this one? I have not seen this one. I have not seen Xavier Dolaz. I think, um, what was it? Tom at a farm. Tom at the farm was the last new. Oh, was that the last one? So you didn't see mommy? Oh, wait, no, I saw mommy. That's right. I own mommy. Okay. So probably that one then. Oh, uh, you know what? I keep lying. I saw his follow up to mommy as well. The um, Canadian screen award winning one with like um, 
all the stars in it. That was bad, oh, too. it's only the end of the world or whatever. You know what? I didn't mind that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, I not a fan. Well, Death and Life of John F. Donovan was truly terrible, which we we talked about before. This And it was also, like, just terribly reviewed. Everybody hated it. He got pilloried by critics and audiences. Everybody hated that movie. So this is kind of his... Like, return to his roots? Yeah, return to his roots. Uh, this one feels a lot like something like Heartbeats, which was his, his, uh, which was mm. his second film. I like film, Heartbeats. Uh, and kind of just chronicled him and some friends in Montreal. And it was very kind of low-key on the fly. This is the same kind of thing. He plays a character who, again, is, you know, uh, struggling with his uh, homosexuality in terms of a relationship with his friend who they they're friends, but they also kind of have a romantic thing. But it's not it's kind of unsaid between them. So um, that's really what the whole movie's about. It feels like he's made like 30 movies about this. I know. That's the thing. And while this movie is definitely a lot better than John F. Donovan, um, it does feel like he's kind of treading water still. Like it doesn't, he's not really doing anything new. Um, I didn't mind, like, it's not a movie. If you like his stuff, you'll probably still enjoy this. Um, although the choice for him, and he's back acting again, because I don't think he, he had <laughs> He's back, in his, baby. I know. And he's the lead, too. Him and the other guy are the two I leads. mean, when was the last time we all saw him? In It 2, the final chapter? Oh, I know, right? Which I actually liked him in, you know, I have to say. But his decision to play his character in this movie with a huge birthmark on his face is a strange one because it doesn't actually have anything to do with the movie. So I'm not... I am like Charlie Theron it... in Monster. <laughs> yeah. Hide this beautiful face. Yeah, basically. That's what it kind of comes off like. <laughs> That's what I need a lot. <laughs> yeah. But the other problem with this movie too is the relationship. You don't really buy it that much because the guy, the other guy who's not Xavier Dolan is such a dick the entire movie because he's the one that's really struggling with his, his sexuality because he has like a fiance and everything but he's still kind of like maybe in love with xavier delon's character do you think xavier delon is like i'm not the dick look at this guy he's the dick hoping that like <laughs> yeah basically that's how it comes off and this guy is like a prick the entire movie and then they kind of just like get together in the end and it doesn't really have you read interviews with xavier delon he is like even more pretentious than you can imagine oh, love oh it. my god i remember yeah i remember at one point him like what is this alfred hitchcock i've never seen any of his movie. I remember at one point him, I think it was the year he split that award at, award at Cannes with Godard or something, and he said something he said some slight towards Godard, I believe, that was like ah, who cares about this guy anymore, but then like, right oh, after I agree that, with Evie Delon on that. What's, yeah, I know, I know No, not, <laughs> true, true, but then uh, right after that, he was did a Criterion Top 10 or something, and like, he had Godard movies like, as the top what, like the top one was a Godard movie <laughs> and he was talking about how much he loved Godard and everything I'm like really dude so you wish he just stuck to his guns and was like these old people he just we all know about Xavier uh-huh. Dolan's reputation at this point you know it precedes itself I think he really did get humbled a lot though by John F. Donovan do you think he was humbled by the movie that he made about how difficult it is being rich and famous <laughs> yeah exactly right so I didn't, I think I even heard, didn't he say that this one, Matthias and Maxime might be the last film he directs to? I don't know. I haven't heard that. I'm not keeping my, um, uh, Xavier Dela, a Google alert going. Yeah, so. I think one of my coworkers here said that that happened. I remember reading an interview. <laughs> or your coworker think, like, I'm going to make sure it's the last film he directs. I know, right? <laughs> I think he's going into like TV. Maybe he had like a TV project lined up uh, or something. You know what? That's probably better for him because his movies are like three and a half hours long. So. Yeah. I mean, this one's shorter, more manageable. It just, 
Yeah, it just feels like he's doing the same thing now. I don't know. And for a while, I didn't mind it. I really liked his style. But now it's just like, dude, you got to get like a new a new style or something. <laughs> get a new style. Yeah, get a he's new like, look. Have you ever directed a film, Mark? Huh? <laughs> you sound just like him. I know. It's like the <laughs> It's <room>. uncanny. <laughs> Listen, I have all these difficulties with the money my parents have. <laughs> you think this comes easy to me? <laughs> All right, so on that high note, my Grey's Ivy Delay imitation, uh, that's it for this week. That's it. Did you want to recommend something from the list this week? We we forgot to do that last week. You know what? I am going to recommend... I have not watched any of these new Blu-rays that are being released this week. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going to dive on that easy grenade and pick Solid Metal Nightmares, the film of Shinya Sakamoto. Uh, I knew you were going to do that. All right, all right. You're making me do some work Yeah, here. now okay. you have to do the work as I was like scrolling through trying to... Oh, you know what? If you want to recommend that, I'll recommend One Cut of the Dead, because that's a great movie. Okay, well, if I wasn't going to... Yeah, the Solid Metal Nightmares would be my number one recommendation. My other recommendation, which would probably be kind of a blind buy situation too, would be Sweating Bullets, the 10 action-packed <laughs> movies set. We haven't even seen any of those. <laughs> that's why it's a blind buy recommendation, all right? All right, <laughs> all right. Blind. Because you know what? One of those movies has to be good, right? Uh, th- that is a bet I will not make. <laughs> Well, one of those movies has to be funny, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So until next week, my name is Justin Glenn. I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. And keep on renting. Woo! what you want to watch. These movies and many more are available at your local video store.